And now, brought to you by CK and WWFD Productions, we take you to the next episode of Popcorn and Monsters. Chapter 10 Is there a doctor in the house? There was a pause while Igor's theory of belief was given its proper accord, and Van Helsing was the first to respond. As unbelievable as that sounds, I do know of something slightly related to that. Do any of you know what a tulpa is? Isn't that some kind of flower? Ah, wait, that's a tulip. There were shakes of heads, both at the weak joke and the lack of tulpa knowledge. It's a word from the Sanskrit language. Very basically, it's a being that can be created by the power of thought. Now that doesn't quite fit here, because we are all real, but the situation we are in is rather bizarre. So perhaps it might be worth noting that nothing, no matter how unlikely, should be dismissed out of turn. It was Mummy's turn to voice their thoughts. Righto, creatures made up from the power of the mind. Not terrifying at all, but good to know. Wolfie. You also said that when you smell this belief, it feels warm. That's right. I didn't feel any form of malice behind it at all. Warm's just the best way I can think of describing it. Like a blanket, you know, when you're cold. Okay. So now with added tulpa knowledge, do any of you think it's possible that if someone has the power to create a place to bring a collection of handsome, exotic creatures together, that they could maybe, just maybe, also have the power to cloak their real intentions. I'm not being cynical here, I'm just cautious and realistic. There could be a group of people somewhere who are watching us right now, who have paid a price beyond anything that's remotely legal, and they could be getting the kicks right now from us discussing them. It's just an option that I'd like to put out there, that's all. And remember, I'm a mummy. My kind's job was to pursue people who had no idea who we were or why we were after them. They had no idea that someone hated them enough to hire a doomed creature to chase after them and then deal with them. You have a very valid point, Zigor who spoke. While I have no doubt in the abilities of Wolfie's nasal nirvana, I also have no doubt that there are indeed forces out there who are capable of very nasty things. I believe we should still henceforth with our original plan, but I now strongly believe we should proceed with the utmost caution. It was as if Igor was performing a trick and had just said the magic word. The air changed. It got slightly thicker. And finally, for the first time in hours, the door, much quicker than usual, appeared in its usual spot. Time didn't slow. Not on this occasion. Nobody else was coming through. Not just now. Wolfie opened the door and the gang all stepped through. They all quickly surveyed the scene, looking for anything. Another door, a window, anything at all. But there was nothing. I can smell it again. Lumpy looked down at his shoes and mumbled. Sorry about that. Chuckling, Wolfie said, 
No, no, not that. <laughs> I can smell the popcorn again. It's faint, though. I don't think that... Before he could even finish the sentence, the door had vanished, and they were back to breathing usual air. Well, some of them were breathing. The Count didn't breathe anyway, and the rest were holding theirs, thanks to Lumpy. I half remembered something. When we were in here before, I saw my home on the wall. Was that a movie, Wolfie? Sort of, Count. I'm not sure exactly what that was, but it would fit in with the theory about the movie lover. Or it could be clever thinking on the part of the evil ones. Thanks for the reminder, Mummy, said an almost exasperated Wolfie. And the evil ones? A bit dramatic, isn't it? Well, they could be evil, we don't know yet. Okay, okay. Let's make a deal. Let's go with the unknowns. It's accurate, and it's got a little bit of drama for you. How's that sound? Mummy gave it some thought. His eyes give away nothing. Obviously. I like it. It's true, and it has some enigmatic gravitas. Here's my thinking. We know when something's going to happen because the air changes. Wolfie's nose goes live, and, sometimes, time slows. When that happens next, we'll need to think quickly and we'll need to act fast. Let's keep on our toes when the time is right. We need to stay focused. Five hours later, they all sat on the floor, lightly dozing. From the corner, a lazy voice said, I spy with my little eye. In a land far, far away, but not as far as you would like, a charred finger twitched. First the finger, and then the hand, and then the other hand, and then before you know it, it's alive! Alive! The villagers thought they had him that the fire that ravaged his castle had consumed him as well as the building itself. He was made of stronger stuff, though. The fire in his belly would more than compete with any fire that tried to kill him. It was sheer luck that part of his lab fell on top of him, actually protecting him from the savage heat and unforgiving flames. That's not to say that he didn't survive unscathed. His body had taken a beating from falling debris, and the fire did manage to consume some of him before the protection of granite saved him. Managing to push rock pieces from him, he took in a big breath of air into his lungs, and for the next five minutes proceeded to nearly cough one of them up. He managed to get himself to his feet, using the slab of table next to him for support. The table. His creation. What had happened to his creation? Was it safe? Had these small-minded simpletons destroyed his work, or did it somehow manage to survive? His creation. It had worked. The Baron had proved them all wrong and had managed to reanimate dead tissue into a living, breathing creature. The Baron had succeeded where they all said he would fail. They said he was mad. He wasn't mad. 
Well, all right, even the Baron would admit that attempting to make life from the leftover bits of recently dead criminals would, at first glance, seem less than sane. However, he had still made life from what once was dead, and that was something to be pretty pleased about. It was only after he had realised his achievement when the pain hit him. Looking at his hands, he saw how they'd been affected by the blaze. All the fingers and thumbs were still there, but they had taken on a left on the sunbed too long look. Burned, but manageable. Then the pain in his face made itself known. Raising his hands, he could feel the heat before they got within a foot of his head. Stumbling across the lab, kicking aside broken equipment, he clambered up the stairs, heading to his study into a mirror. Breaking through the doorway, he stood in front of the mirror to survey the damage of what was once his face. What have they done to me? Not to get too graphic, but picture some bacon that had been left on the grill for longer than it should have. And you're about where the bottom was now. However, one of the bonuses about being manageably insane is that you can prioritise like no other. Therefore, pain can wait. Revenge will take your mind off anything. After the Baron had gone back to the lab and injected some Novocaine into his face, revenge helps focus the mind, but a third-degree burn is still a third-degree burn. He then sat at his desk in his study and planned his next move. Stage one. Kill them all. No, that's not planned. Think, Baron, think. Okay, I have the element of surprise. There's no way those village idiots are going to expect me to have survived their murderous attempt. Honestly, what were they thinking? Have they no idea of how hard it is to kill someone who creates life from death? Death is a thing that happens to other people, not me. And believe me, death will happen to a lot of people in that backward, thoughtless, cold-hearted village. Another couple of things you should know about mad scientists. They love drama. They also have a mean streak a mile wide. The Baron was sitting at his table, laughing his evil laugh. It was quite an impressive evil laugh. It could make crows wince. Anyway, as he was wah-ha-haing away, it took him a few seconds to notice that the air was getting thicker, more cloying. When it did get his attention, he automatically thought that the villagers had returned and more fire was heading his way. This would not do. Being a mad scientist has its paranoidal advantages, one of which is secret doorways into which you can abscond in the time of trouble, and it was as he was heading to the one behind his desk that time slowed down almost to a stop. The Baron looked in wonder at his body. It slowed to a near stop. One hand was pushing the bookcase, behind which was a hidden room, and before he could say, Evil genius, he had fallen through the opening and landed on a red beanbag chair in a strange cabin. As the Baron lay on the chair, he took in his surroundings, his head moving like a panicky turkey on Christmas Eve waiting for the axe. There seemed to be no danger. There seemed to be no one else around. No incensed villagers, no angry maidens. He seemed to be safe and alone. Well, this is interesting. 
While the Baron was coming round under his granite blanket, the group back in the cabin had realised that in the little room that they had been stuck in for hours, W was the most commonly used letter to name things with what their little eyes could see. Sadly, this was W for walls, and time had passed very, very slowly. Wolfie and the rest of the gang all sat on the floor, except for the Count, of course. It just would not do to get one's cape dirty. Wolfie spoke up. So, what happens when we get to the end and we find whoever's doing this? Do you think we'll go back to the way we used to live, or or will we have to set up home here, living like some kind of weird family? Well, if the person's a goodie, like we seem to think, then maybe they can, I don't know, think us back to our lives. I'll be honest, though, I'm not sure I want to go back to the way I was living. My family want nothing to do with me, and I don't want to live the slave life of a mummy. It's too constricting for me. Not saying that I want to start living the life of luxury here in this mystery cabin, but I know I don't want to go back to what I had before. What about you lot? Would you want to go back to where you were? It's Van Helsing who ventured forth next. Well, I'm still deciding as to whether or not the force behind this event is good or bad. I really hadn't considered afterwards. However, I think that I'd like to teach. Pass on the knowledge and experiences I have accumulated over the years so that there may be less people in the world who are like my cousin. What about you, Igor? I haven't really given much thought to the notion, if I'm truthful. I mean, I'm a freelance lab assistant, and there's always going to be work, but who knows? Perhaps I could start a service. A sort of assistance for hire. My place has always been to serve, simply because I have never known any other way. But this experience has certainly opened my eyes to new possibilities. Mostly that we seem to be trapped by unknown forces and may not live to see our homes again. So I think I'll simply take each moment as it comes, just for just now. I'd like to dance. Everyone looked at Mummy. Mummy, in the meantime, looked shocked. Well, as shocked as a fully bandaged being can look. Was that me? Er, yeah. Yes, it was. So you want to dance, then? Any particular kind? Foxtrot? Dango? Boogie Boogie? Well, I don't know what any of those are, so I'm not sure where. When I was at home, I used to take long walks to get away from the house. I always felt stifled there. And this from a being head to foot in bandages? Yes, thank you, Wolfie. Where was I? You were taking long walks in the wood to go dancing. Mummy looked at Igor to see if there was any hint of humour. Igor, to his immense credit, managed to keep his face straight. Just think about that. I would go to the nearby village. Obviously, I'd stay out of sight. There would have been major panic if someone spied a mummy nearby. Anyway, they would have fairs and concerts and events in the village. There would be acting troops performing comedies and dramas. There would also be stalls of different foods and gifts from faraway lands. The market would run the length of the village and everyone would be smiling and talking and laughing. And then at night... 
they'd be dancing. Torches would be lit, and a space would be made, and then as the moon reached its zenith, out came the dancers. Whirling, spinning, bounding balls of energy that would reach heights you wouldn't think possible from a normal human. You must understand that a mummy's job is, in essence, to stalk. Someone's been cursed, they get stalked. We never run, we never skip, we never jump, we stalk. So, when I saw these people practically flying, it hit me. I felt it in me bandages. I couldn't be a mummy. I wanted to do what they were doing. It was not long after that I had the big row with the family, left home and ended up here. You know, I've studied for many, many years, as I've mentioned before, and at no time have I come across a dancing mummy. I've seen a witch tap dance, and I've seen a banshee limbo, but a mummy doing a jig? No, never. Mummy looked at Van Helsing, as much as he was allowed to without causing serious damage, and realised that the look in Van Helsing's eyes was not of scorn, but of good-natured warmth. And Mummy said, Actually, I prefer to polka. The rest of the gang laughed, and attention had been released. I know that it may seem odd, but nobody else back home could listen to what I just said, and let me tell you, that is a weight off of my bandages. Wolfie answered him. No, I understand what you mean. Sort of, anyway. Where I'm from, I'm a huge film nerd. Love films, and everything about them. But all the folk I worked with were more interested in getting drunk or just feeding their plants. So I felt a bit of an outcast, really. Not complaining, just the way it was. So yeah, I can dig where you're coming from. And they all lived happily ever after. The jocular voice came from out of the corner. Count, was that a joke? Wolfie seemed genuinely surprised. Well, it seemed like the mood needed a little lifting, so I... Well, I... Never mind. No, no, it was a good one. It was. Yes? Uh, Yeah, yeah, there were surprised grumbles of yes. Uh Ah, good one. Good one, cracky. Just as things seemed to be getting awkward, time started to slow down. Gentlemen, have a care, and keep your eyes open for a way out. As time got slower, and the gang looked to the walls, the floor, and the ceiling, an image started to flicker on the wall again. It wasn't the Count's home this time, though. It was another room, like a study, or more like a library. Time was inching, slower and slower, but still no sign of an exit. Not even the usual door was showing up. What now? asked Mummy. It was Lumpy who had the solution. Lumpy wasn't the quickest as it was, but in slow motion he was practically stopped. But he raised his arm and pointed towards the image on the screen, and his giant head lolled forward like he was trying to headbutt an elephant. That way, quickly. Took them a second to realise what he meant, but luckily thinking wasn't affected by the time. Mummy was closest, and he cautiously raised a bandaged arm and touched the image on the wall. Well, he tried to touch it, but his arm went through it. 
Time seemed to have reached its lowest point and they knew they didn't have long. Mummy grabbed Wolfie by the arm and propelled as quickly as he could through the wall, followed by Igor. Time was getting quicker again and the image was blurring. The Count pushed Mummy through and with only slight hesitation grabbed Van Helsing's cloak and shoved him through as well. The image was fading and fading fast but Lumpy was still only halfway across the room. You go, I will wait. Lumpy then motioned his arms to Count to go through yet the Count was undecided. Should he leave him here? Alone for a second time? but it was then his decision was made for him. He felt himself being strongly pulled through and landed in a big pile of monster on the floor. Sorry, Count, you were half in and half out, and the image was nearly gone. Igor, our giant friend, he is still in there. He couldn't make it in time. I know, Count, but we did not know what would happen even to an immortal if you had been caught between two times and places. What do we do? He was the one who made sense of the imagery and now he's alone again. It was Van Helsing who tried to reassure him. The door didn't show up, Count. I am taking that as a sign that nothing else came through. So what we need to do is explore this new and exciting room and when the time slows and the imagery appears we will be reunited with our ever-increasingly smart friend. How does that sound? There was a long pause, but finally the Count said, I will accept your word on this matter. We will explore and wait. In the other room, even though he was alone again, Lumpy smiled a gigantic smile. He had figured it out. He had been the one who had figured out the way to go. There was no thought of if they were in any harm. He did not think that at all. It was just another step on this adventure, and he liked this place. It felt right. It felt safe. Just as the Count was being dragged through to the new room and Lumpy was feeling safe, the Baron had found himself like an upturned turtle in the red beanbag chair, wondering if this was another punishment for his rather godlike behaviour. If it was, he would be really put out by it. And that, my lovely peoples, is that for this episode of Popcorn and Monsters. Till we speak again, take care. Bye for now. Hello all, CK here. If you have been enjoying Popcorn and Monsters and you would like to get the episodes ad-free and early, three days early, then you can pop over to patreon.com forward slash popcorn and monsters where you can get the episodes early and ad-free. Plus, you can also get every episode of Mirths and Monsters also ad-free, but they're there for everybody to listen. Also, at the 5 and $8 tiers, you get merch as well, and $8 tiers, you get a Patreon-exclusive mug as you are a producer of Popcorn and Monsters, plus you get your name read out after every episode. I will also be doing a a wee series, a written series, of the history of the monsters from the show. 
werewolves and vampires and mummies. Oh my. So if you'd like to learn that, you can pop over there as well. But it's time to roll credits. And the credits this week are $8 tier patrons who are Courtney Eli, Kelly Vaughn, you know who you are, Rachel Miller, Amber Shilder, Rianne Potas, Carla Crawford, Connie, Fiber Ash, Dalen Payer, Brandy Johnson, Kristen Dunaway, Nicole Snyder, Nietzsche Florea, Katie Bischoff, Samantha Mason, Ali and Alicia Tully. Thank you all very, very much. Till next time, my friends. Cut.